0: Welcome to the Destination Begin Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here, sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to the podcast. How's everybody doing? As if you could actually answer me. I don't know why, even why I say that. It just, there's two things that are really hard in podcasting. It's how to start and how to end. I don't know why, but I'm always like, okay, bye. That's it. See ya. And then when I start, it's like, hi. Uh, anyway, now that we're over, we can just launch in. Um, uh, what's going on in my world? Last time I talked about the marathon that I'm training for. And um, now the update on that one is that I'm probably not running it. So our last long run that we did, um, for some reason, not the one where I had to, not training run number two, training run number three went really well, but I developed like a really bad cramp in my right hamstring and glute. I powered through it. And then the following day, my left hip, left glute, left side, just totally, uh, just, became a nightmare. I mean, we're talking agonizing pain. I thought it was my low back was out. I needed to have my back adjusted. been going to the chiropractor every day, stretching, foam rolling, massage, all these things. Basically, I just feel like I pissed it off. And so I have not been running. I haven't run at all since. I've barely been able to do bike rides for 75 hard or walks for 75 hard. Um, Up until the last, yesterday and today, um, I have had very little pain so I feel like I've turned a corner now so that's good but um, I missed the 20 mile training run that the boys did on Monday and at this point I just I can't even imagine running. I can't even imagine jogging it just seems like a total pipe dream I'm I'm not in any pain but I'm very I'm guarding it pretty heavily um, so I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, I'm if I'm really honest, I'm devastated, I'm so sad, I'm mourning it, I'm grieving it. It's, it, it just bums me out, it's really hard for me to think about anything else, but the perspective is, you know, hello, there are people with real world problems, there are actual issues in the world, I have nothing at all to be ungrateful for or sad for or upset about, it's not a big deal, so I mean, that's the, the facts but that doesn't that doesn't matter (laughs) the emotion is the emotion and so i obviously keep the right perspective i'm not gonna like you know like lose sleep over it but i'm really sad about it um i visualized crossing the finish line i've thought about how beautiful and wonderful it's gonna be what a great experience with my friends with my boyfriend um so it's (laughs) it's really hard to set that down um but I have no choice and it hey it could all resolve. I may get there, feel really good and run the best race of my life. I don't really know, but the likelihood of that happening seems very small. So it's very sad. But um you know what do you do? You just have to I just have to roll with it. But um our the 20-mile training run was on Monday and I decided since I couldn't run I at least wanted to be part of the group and be moral support, so I hopped on my bike to ride along while the guys ran 20. So we started at 5 a.m. And number one, this was a stupid idea because while I'm in pain walking, biking doesn't seem to bother it, but I also had not biked for four hours on this injury before. But that's exactly what I did. The, the boys it took them about, I shouldn't say boys, the men. It took him about three hours, 3.45, something like that, to run the 20 miles. And I was with him the whole time on the bike. And that is a long time to be sitting like that when you're low back and glute and leg. And God knows. I don't even know what's wrong. When you're in pain. So it was stupid, number one. It was stupid to do it. But it started off fine. And it was kind of fun. Um, The guys ran really strong the first 10 miles. we, We took a big circular route. So we went down the beach path. And then we went over the bridge at 79th off of Miami Beach onto Biscayne Boulevard, which is the main drag that runs along the actual landmass of Miami, um, down to near downtown Miami and back over the big bridge that goes back to Miami Beach into South Beach, which is stunning. You're You're running along the freeway and on your right is the water with all of the cruise ships and it's so cool. And then you run into South Beach So that part of the journey was about 10 or 11 miles, and um, it was beautiful. The sun was rising over Miami Beach, so even though I was just on my bike and I wasn't running, I still got to experience the beauty of it, and it was amazing, and um, I'm so proud of these guys, so, so, so proud. Danny is 59. He hasn't run a marathon before, but he's been athletic his whole life, Uh, but recently, you know, maybe not in pristine shape. But he started coming to boot camp almost a year ago, and um, I gave him some uh, workout advice, nutrition advice, some coaching, all that stuff, kind of taught him about macros. I'm not taking credit for his transformation, but I got him started with good knowledge information. And he's been working really hard, body transformation, lost weight, built muscle, super proud of him, he's doing 75 hard because you know he gave into my peer pressure. And he's slaying it. And um, it was his idea to do this marathon, and then we jumped on the bandwagon. And then you have Roy, who just turned forty-nine. He has never worked out his whole life. He's never done more than a five k. He's he will say that he basically has just worked and gone home, eaten junk food and drank beer and gone to bed his whole life. And now he's lifting weights. He's running, uh, training for a marathon, going to boot camp. He's a boot camp coach. It's crazy. And people say, oh well, you know, he's dating you. He probably has to. No, I have not required anything of this man. He wanted to do these things. When he met me and he came to Miami, he fell in love with the lifestyle. He wanted to change his life and change his uh, body. And so I write him workouts in my app. I give him lifts. Um, I answer questions when he has them. But he goes into the app, opens it up, and has learned how to strength train using the app, using my workouts. Um, I gave him a nutrition plan. He follows it. Now, I do do the cooking around here. But... um, and then he decided to train for a marathon. So, I have not forced him to do any of these things. It's his own doing. All I've done is give him a plan, which it's amazing. When you get a plan and you do it, you get results. So, um I don't make him do anything. I've had a lot of people say, "Ah ha ha, look at that transformation. It's because he's dating you." No, it's because he wants to. He is motivated and he does his plan. Anyway, so 49 and 59 running for their first marathon. It's so freaking expi- inspiring to see these guys. So the training run went well till about mile 16. Then I started to get hot. The board rock was full. The guys hadn't run more than 16 miles thus far. And so this is where it starts to hurt and you're tired and it's hot. So I had the water on the bike and they started to separate. So Roy could run a little faster. So Danny was like, just go. So now there's separation between them. I stopped to fill the water bottle at Starbucks and get a coffee, and got back on the bike to find them, catch them up. So I caught up with Roy, and he was by himself, gave him some water. I'm like, where's Danny? He said, oh, he's, I left him back there. He's back there. So I had passed him and didn't even realize it. So I turned around, because Roy looked great. He looked like he was running well. He was on about mile 17. So I turned my bike around, went back, found Danny. He was running really slow. He's hot. I tell him they had switched to a run walk. So I got off the bike, walked the bike, had him hydrate, kind of find out how he was doing. Oh, by the way, he had the flu and he was running with the flu because he wouldn't listen to me and not take the day off. Whatever. Anyway, so got him hydrated. Um, I said, all right, I'm going to go look for Roy. So I take off on the bike. I can't see Roy. I assume Roy has finished because he's not up there and we're almost done. Well, turns out Roy had indeed finished after he'd been running for a while while I was helping Danny. And uh needed water, and I never came back. So he's imagining that I'm just yucking it up, having a good old time, chitty chatting with Danny. You know, when you're tired and you're hot and you're thirsty and you're not getting what you need and you've relied on someone else and they're not there, your mind starts to, you know, b- tell you a story. And that story was that Kristen has abandoned me, doesn't love me, is a total and complete jerk face who is going to let me die of heat stroke. Um... And so he was, he was quite upset. And then I was mad because Danny was struggling. And if Danny had listened to me and not run, cause Danny had the flu, he wouldn't be struggling. And I'm imagining that they're all going to die and it's all going to be my fault. Meanwhile, my leg is in agony. I'm in so much pain and I'm realizing that if all things stay the same, I'm not going to get to run this marathon. And my dreams of this are dying and they don't appear very grateful that they just Got to run 20 miles. They're complaining because they're in pain. Well, don't they know how lucky they are that they're in pain because they just ran 20 miles? I would give anything to run 20 miles and I can't run 20 miles. And they don't even know how horrible it is to see your dreams die. And so this is what's going on nobody is their best self. Everyone is tired. Everyone's in pain of some kind of variety. Everyone is thirsty. I couldn't drink water because Danny, with the flu, had been swigging on my water bottle. Anyway, it all got done. Roy and Danny ran 20 miles on Monday morning. I biked 20 miles on Monday morning. And it was all done and it was all good. But Roy was quite upset. And he said, You know, where were you? I was hot and I was thirsty. And I got real mad. And so, I was on the beach path with my bike, hot, sweaty, in pain, in tears, yelling at my hot boyfriend, who had just run 20 miles and deserved congratulations. Instead, I'm yelling at him. I'm not a professional race sharpa. I did the best I could. So, not my best moment. He, he, he just let me yell and walked away and was a man about it let his girlfriend look like a total idiot. And um, there was lots of people. It was the busiest time of the day on the boardwalk at that point in time when the crazy blonde chick screamed that she's not a professional race Sherpa. Anyway, uh, so that all happened. And then, you know, the day went on, everybody apologized. Everybody realized that they were not their best selves. Danny basically was the only one who didn't behave terribly. Um, but, uh, you know, I was pissed that he ran at all. He had the flu. He had no business running 20 miles with the flu. So if he dies tomorrow, I'm going to be real mad at him for killing himself by running with the flu. So we'll we'll still see about that. Actually, he's fine. So anyway, but the bottom line is the guys ran 20 miles. Their training is complete. Um, a week from uh, this Sunday, they will be running the authentic marathon that runs from Marathon, Greece, into the Acropolis in Athens, the original path of the very first marathon. And I will be there to support them and cheer them on unless some miracle happens in which I will also start the marathon and hopefully finish as well. So that's how training is going. Um, I am so proud of these guys. I am so, so, so excited for them. I have tasted the feeling of crossing a finish line twice and it is the most magnificent feeling there are very few things that have come close to it since there were very few things before that came close to it and they are going to get to taste that and i am i'm just i'm so excited my selfish poutiness when i put that away it's all glee joy enjoy for them especially especially roy um i love him and i am so so proud of him to go from being someone who doesn't do anything active to running a marathon is pretty pretty remarkable in such a short amount of time. He doesn't even understand how astounding it is. He has no real grasp of how amazing he is. Uh, I mean, I know he's proud of himself, but it's people who have done a marathon and are watching this are keep saying, "Do you understand how significant it is what you're doing?" It's really 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 remarkable, um, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty excited." <laughs> so uh I'm really proud of him and I hope it hits him at some point how amazing he is and and Danny too Danny is um uh, Danny's 59 and running his first marathon and he's pacing really really fast and doing really well so anyway that's how it's going um anyway so there's that and then all the things and then it's busy in the end and so this week's episode I'm just kind of uh, pulling some uh some information that I have recorded previously and never really put in a podcast. And um, it's really important to take a look at some of the stuff that goes on in our diets and the reasons that we reach for certain foods. And sometimes those cravings and things that we love and those reasons, they never go away. And so we can often, instead of being salmon swimming upstream and fighting those things, sometimes we can figure out a way to go with the flow of what we want. And figure out a way to make it work. And so that's what I'm going to talk about this week on the episode. I get asked a lot how on earth I got started losing weight when I was 400 pounds. The number one question is how how did you start? How did you get motivated to start? And I tell the story often of the, the kicker, the thing that got me to kind of start down that way, which was a compliment from my classmate who made me all of a sudden imagine that maybe if I tried, I could look a little better. And maybe I was worth it. Maybe I was pretty. Maybe I wasn't just disgusting and terrible and should just hide. And so having those thoughts really propelled me. But the how, how did I start? Well, basically I started with small changes. Um, I had tried diets before and what, what always happened and what is very common is, um, I would say, all right, I'm gonna join Weight Watchers. So I joined Weight Watchers. At that time, it was the point system. So all foods had a point value, and then based on your height and your weight, you got a points bank for the day. So because I was so heavy, I got X number of points. It was a lot of points. So I could eat a lot of food and still lose weight. And so I would start with that, but I'd start so gung- ho that I would say, "Well, I don't need to eat all that if I eat less than what I'm supposed to, I'll lose weight faster." So sometimes I would join weight watchers and I'd lose ten pounds in a week and you know, being four hundred pounds, it's easy to lose a lot of weight at first because you know there was so much weight to lose, and a big change in diet meant a big change immediately in water weight and then also fat loss so I'd be super motivated. I would eat way less than I was supposed to be. ah, oh, this is so easy. Do that for a couple of weeks. I think the first time I ever joined Weight Watchers, I lost 25 pounds in a month and it felt really, really good. But then I'd have one day where I'd say, I'm gonna take the day off. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eat all my favorite things. And so hurry up and get in all the foods that I've been missing out on and get them in. So it would be a big, big day of eating. And then the next day, all right, I'm back on track. Well. I would feel so sick from all that eating and I have all that sugar and junk in my body that I would feel bad and feel gross and feel fat and think, "Ugh, this is terrible. And it's like, just feel shame. So instead of dealing with the shame and setting it down and getting back on the horse, I was like, ah, uh, just one more day. One more day. I'll deal with this on Monday. On Monday, I'll deal with this. So then I'd have another big cheat day. And then Monday would come and I wouldn't feel like getting back on track then either because it's really hard to cut all that food out. So then the mentality was, I'll just take a week off, just a week off, one more time, enjoy McDonald's, enjoy going to a Chinese buffet one more time. And so I'd have a whole week of binge eating and then be like, whoa, I don't want to go weigh in. I don't want to see the damage that I've done. So I'll just start back up without weighing in. I won't go to my meeting. And I'll just get all this weight back off and I'll work really, really hard and then I'll go back. Well, of course I just wouldn't. (laughs) Without the accountability, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go back. And so there were so many times I joined Weight Watchers and went for a couple of weeks and then fell off the wagon. Very common tale. I didn't invent that process. (laughs) So when it was time to like, all right, well, maybe I should try to lose some weight. That was what my initial thought was but I also wanted to start exercising. And so I focused more on exercising and I got a DVD that was uh, power 90. Um, it was an infomercial and it was Tony Horton and it was a 90 day program and it was the same workout every other day. And it was really, really hard, but I didn't have to go to the gym. I just did it in the living room. It was the DVD. So I started doing that and I was so sore. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget how sore I was working out for the first time using those DVDs. But It got me moving. And then I just started to make um, different choices and I started to count calories. So I figured out that I needed to eat, I don't know, I think it was about 2,800 calories a day. I could eat 2,800 calories a day and lose weight. And so what I did was I just started figuring out how I could eat the most possible food volume for that calorie amount. So at the time I was married and my husband loved to eat things like lasagna, spaghetti, Uh, macaroni and cheese. We ordered pizza all the time. Um, His favorite restaurant was Olive Garden or Red Lobster, Burger King, Wendy's. We ate a lot of fast food. When I did cook at home, it was those meals like lasagna, um, just really unhealthy food. And so I just started to get a little bit creative. So instead of lasagna, I would make a lasagna for him and my son, and then I would make a little separate um, container or pan where I wouldn't put any cheese in it, or I'd put half the cheese, or I would use fat-free cheese, and I would make a portion of the same thing but make it lesser calories or keep the meat out. Um, When we'd order pizza, instead of ordering myself a large uh, uh, pizza, we used to do Papa John's, and I would get a large pizza, and I would eat all that garlic butter sauce that would come, and I would dump it on the pizza and dip the crust in it, and I would eat the whole pizza and the garlic sauce. And so I would switch to ordering from Domino's and I would get a thin crust pizza or two thin crust pizzas. I'd get two thin crust pizzas for the same calories as a whole um, hand toss pizza. So I'd get two thin crust pizzas and get like onions and ham on them, the lowest calorie toppings ever. And so I was always calculating and doing the math to figure out how, how I could just eat for a long time for the least amount of calories. When we go to Olive Garden, I would get um, just the salad or I would just, just get the soup, or I would get a grilled chicken breast with alfredo sauce on the side, and I would just dip my food into it. So I started these little strategies to get like the taste that I wanted without having so many calories. It became really good at it. And over time, without suffering too much, I started to lose some weight. So I had hacks like that for everywhere that we went and everything that we made. When I made spaghetti at home, I would get the zesty garden style sauce and I'd put that on a bowl of plain noodles instead of eating the meat sauce with the meat and the cheese on top of the big noodles. Um, When we would go out for ice cream, I would get a soft serve ice cream cone from McDonald's for 140 calories or two of them, which would be fewer calories than one blizzard at Dairy Queen. So I started these calorie swaps and that's how it started. And that's how it continued. And to this day, that is how I think when I want something indulgent, I think about, okay, how can I have that experience? But in a way that is going to actually fit in my goals. So sometimes I'll be walking to the grocery store and I will want some ice cream because it's 100 degrees. And at the grocery store, I'm like, hmm, the ice cream sounds so good. And I love Halo Top ice cream because it's protein ice cream. So there's extra protein and it's low calorie compared to other ice creams, but it still has sugar in it and it doesn't make me feel good. And it's still 300 to 400 calories in a pint. So I've gotten in the habit of saying, okay, If I eat that, I'm gonna feel crappy. How can I have that experience of something cold and creamy and delicious that is not Halo Top? So what I do is I come home, I make a protein shake, really thick with extra ice in the blender. Okay, that's like 125 calories. And because I was considering eating up to 400 calories, I think, all right, it's still better to have a 200 calorie item that's good for me that I control than 400 calories. So I'll make that thick protein shake and then I'll put some Fat-Free Ready Whip on top or I'll put a sprinkle of um, cereal on top to make it crunchy or a little chocolate syrup, something to make it indulgent and sweet, but I'm controlling the portion size, the calories and what it is. So it's a way to, to get that sweet treat, that little reward that I want on a hot day and that feeling of indulgence but not eating the thing that makes me feel not good and that is more calories than i really need and something that i just don't really need so that way i'm making it fit my goals fit my macros and it's something i can feel good about I do that also at restaurants. If I really wanna taste something that's so good but I don't wanna eat the whole thing, I'll either share it with somebody or I'll get that sauce or that that item on the side. So for instance, I really do love Alfredo sauce and I love bolognese sauce. So if I'm at a restaurant that has those two things, often I'll order a chicken breast or um, gluten-free pasta and I'll just get the sauce on the side because you can, you can have the flavor of the sauce but you don't need to drown your food in it. That might sound a little excessive controlling. But ultimately, I just want to know how much I've eaten and I want to enjoy it without feeling like I overindulge in something that ultimately just doesn't make me feel good. Eating a whole bowl of fatty, cheesy Alfredo sauce makes me feel heavy and this ugh. So I want to taste it. It's very highly, highly palatable and it's very rich and that way I can control it. With pastries and donuts and things like that, those are things that I haven't found a substitute for that I love as much, and so that's why I have my monthly donut party where I just say, well, I'm gonna, if I want this donut, it's not donut party time, I'm gonna come back here, and this is gonna be the donut that I choose. It will still exist when it's time to have a donut so if you wonder okay how can i get through my life without my favorite food or these experiences think about how you can take control of it and still enjoy the experience and still create something delicious but that's on your terms whether that's a baked good or a sweet whether that's a eating out experience you know pizza often people get really hung up on pizza what do i do about pizza well what is it about pizza that you love If you have a favorite pizza that is your absolute favorite pizza and it's amazing, that's the pizza you should have. And you should just think about, okay, well, if I'm only gonna have one or two different kinds of pizza for the rest of my life, I'm gonna reduce how often I eat pizza. I want it to be the best and my most favorite. And think about what that might be. If you have pizza options all the time, like say you work somewhere, there's always pizza, you can come up with a strategy to say, you know what? I have pizza once a week, but I only have one slice or maybe it's just the toppings you really like. You know, sometimes I've seen people pull the toppings off and eat them. Some people just really like the crust dipped in sauce. Figure out what it is that you love and if there's a way to swap it, swap it, and if there's a way to just minimize it and put some rules around it, do that. So that was really how I got started. I just started finding ways to still eat a lot of food but by but reducing the overall calories. And then I added movement into my life which You know, that's really important. You can burn a lot of calories just walking, just briskly walking, going for a bike ride. And it might not seem like you've done a whole lot, but if you do something daily that is not high impact, that's just extra calorie burn that's going to add up. And so you don't have to go to CrossFit, you don't have to run a marathon, you don't have to get crazy sweaty and nearly gargle your heart. You can find something that you're willing to do every day, and then the key is do it. And with food, find places you're willing to concede that isn't super painful and start there. Over time, you'll whittle it down to the most precious things that you eat, the things you love the most. And then you can really decide, is my life richer because I have these things? Or would I benefit from having really firm boundaries around these so I don't have to worry about feeling bad for giving in and overeating and You know, there are times where I overeat because I get really excited and I want to just let it go. But then I feel so sick, I miss out on the occasion. That's happened many times when I've traveled. I will be so excited to eat all the food. I'll eat so much food. I'll be so miserable in my body that I won't enjoy the trip that I was on. The best trips I've had are ones where I have not had sugar because sugar really makes me feel yucky. It makes me foggy. It makes me binge. And then also, even if I don't get sick, it turns the excitement of the trip onto the food and away from what I'm doing. You know, some of the most beautiful sights in the world are are looked at and then where where's ice cream where's gelato <laughs> where's the patisserie nearby to make this a good experience? It's like forget it. What what are you actually there for? In Chicago, there are times where I'm so fixated on running from donut shop to donut shop, I don't see the scenery. And so while I love that strategy of going on a run and having donuts along the way, um, I'm really cautious that I don't overeat that stuff so that I don't miss out on my favorite city because I've done that so many times. I've made that mistake. So to really put food in its proper place, we can start whittling things back, whittling things back, moving out the things we don't ma- don't care about and adding back in the things we do. Recent example, I really have been craving peanut butter and bananas. Like I want peanut butter and bananas on everything. And I really want to make a big, huge cupcake cake and cover it with peanut butter and bananas and whipped cream. That's what I want. It's like this weird thing. It's, I've been thinking about it. And so... The other day, I was like, you know what? I want peanut butter and banana. I don't really care what it's on. So I took a rice cake and I spread some PB2 on it. And I sliced up some banana, put it on top, and put some whipped cream on top. And I did two of them. It was so filling. It was under 300 calories. It was sweet because bananas are sweet. And there was a little bit of sugar in the fat-free ready whip, but it was very low. And I got the flavors I wanted. I felt like I had a massive dessert, but it didn't make me sick it wasn't 600 calories. I knew exactly what the specs were and it felt like I was just indulging in my craving without indulging in something that I regretted. So get creative and just take a look at what you're eating. Take a look at what you love, what you're willing to let go. So over time my diet really, really changed. I went from basically eating all day every day to being able to have longer and longer gaps without eating. And that happened when I started to lose weight and I had energy to do other things. Because when I was at the height of my obesity, I basically didn't move. When I wasn't in classes, studying in classes, I was at home doing homework and then I was sitting on the couch watching TV. That was my life. And so when I started losing weight, I was done with school and I was working. And I started to, you know, go out with people after work. I started to go for walks over my lunch. I started to do things on the weekend, like ride my bike. So I just started to get active, which got me out of the house, which ended up being a little more caloric burn. And also it made me enjoy life other than food. Sometimes I often get to the point over and over where I'm like, man, eating food is my favorite thing to do. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's just food. How did that get messed up? And that gets messed up when I don't allow enough time for me to have some downtime. When I'm just working, 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 the only pleasure I can throw in is something that tastes good. Everything else is work, even though I love my work. So to be able to schedule some time in to go out and do things like go for a run, go take a boat ride with my friends, Go up to another beach boardwalk and stroll and listen to music. Um, Whatever it is, getting myself out of the house and enjoying life without food is really important. So if you find yourself where the only thing that sounds good to you is going home and eating or going out to eat so you can eat and drink, perhaps you need more sources of pleasure in your life that have nothing to do with food. That happens to a lot of us. A lot of us who are binge eaters, we do fine. We don't binge, we don't even think about it. But when we start to overextend ourselves, we don't have downtime, we're super stressed and busy, all of a sudden we wanna binge. It's almost like an act of rebellion because we want pleasure. We want something that's fun. So make sure you've got some fun and pleasure in your life other than food and start paying attention to where you can make those little adjustments and just move closer to ideal, Away from the bad habits, the foods that aren't ideal, and just a little closer to ideal every day. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at KristensmithOnline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.